viewers and listeners, and welcome to the latest episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I remain your host of this particular corner of the interweb. I am Jason Johnson Yellen, and he remains the co-host with the most, Joshua Morrissey Hatton. Hello. Hello, Jason Neil Patrick Harris Johnston Yellen. Has a beautiful ring to it, doesn't it? It just rolls straight off the tongue. So in Extra Extra, Joshua or I or both of us together bring a news article, often whiskey related, to the attention of the other. And we present it and we riff on it and we have a wee chitty chatty and we get out of here in a tight 35. I thought this week, Joshua, it was worth putting up the reminder about the tight 35 because as much as we consistently hit mm-hmm. that number, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure that our audience know that that is always on purpose and always done with the greatest diligence. And with the the accuracy. I mean, it is precision. just precise every single time. You can set your watch to it. It's Swiss, is how I refer to it. There you go. With more peaks and troughs than a Toblerone. <laughs> <laughs> well done you all right so so we've had a, a few episodes here where we've gone from uh, the unfortunate the untimely passing of paul mcdonough at the bond mm-hmm. into the somewhat startling news and yet not quite so startling when you when you burrowed into it about Gordon and McPhail kind of changing their business practice a little bit. Mm-hmm. We continue to to duck and dive and dodge and bob and weave around celebrity endorsements. Uh, Charles Woodson just got into one uh, with his whiskey and with the Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders, Joshua, before you correct me on that. And, uh, and then another article on Rod Stewart. His Wolfie whiskey has now come to America. All right. There you go. But we don't, talk about any, we don't talk about any of these things. So what we're going to do today is we're going to use a, a jumping off point as provided to us by the spirits business. Now, we purposely, by design, do not refer to sponsored content mm-hmm. in Extra Extra. Mm-hmm. We only refer to the hardest hitting of whiskey news articles. It's uh, it, it's a serious business over here, and so, and so with sponsored content, it gave us a jumping off point to say, you know, a very good point has been raised here, and I think it allows us to speak further about the Gordon McPhail news. But as today's banner alludes to, it also allows us the opportunity to speak to the modern spirits business. And while we're doing all of this, I have a summer storm passing over the top of my office and it's got it dark out the window. It is bucketing down on the roof and uh, I am having quite a wild time out here in the garden. Ah, it's quite different here. It's sunny. There's no breeze. It's currently <laughs> 81 degrees Fahrenheit. You know, do your own math for Celsius and it's quite nice. Yep, we're, we're still 84 down here. We're still looking at about 30 centigrade or thereabouts, maybe 29. All right. So this sponsored piece is called Glenfarclas the Survivor. And, and as any good sponsored piece does, it speaks very highly of the business acumen that, that goes on at Glenfarclas. 
that's not controversial. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing in the article that is controversial. I yeah. actually, I will say this, they make reference to Glenn Farkless 105 launching in 1968. And while I've been very familiar with 105 um, since about the 90s, yeah. the thought that that had a birth in 1968 is quite remarkable. What a product to put out into the world. Especially given that, you know, very few brands were even passing themselves off, even right. telling the world that they were a quote-unquote right. pure malt at the time. Or mm. you, that's really interesting. I don't know how I missed that piece. 1968, amazing. Indeed. Indeed, yeah. yeah. Well, if you remember up until, or if you remember a few years ago, Glenn Farkless had put out the 40-year-old 105 as well as the 20-year-old 105. Yes, I do. And then there was the ongoing standard non-age statement 105 as well. And to be able to put out a 105 at 40 years old, mm. you know, 60% alcohol mm -hmm. after 40 years of maturation is absolutely astounding, especially to the fact that it had texture and flavor. You know, the, the way you would get away with 60% ABV after 40 years maturation is you would fill at a much, much higher level. Mm -hmm. But when you fill at that much, much higher level, you're not getting as much interaction with the wood. You're not going to get the same texture. You're not going to get the same flavor. Yeah. And so the fact that a 40-year-old 105 could still be remarkably successful speaks to the acumen at Glenn Farkless, something worth celebrating as we do early and often yeah i, I mean uh, without naming a name there is a oh. distillery that started relaunching single casks throughout the world and, and many of those single casks were of a much higher abv you know uh, mid-ish 60s and, and even at 13 mm. 15 17 years of age and i would argue that that whiskey wasn't that great like it 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 almost seemed as if mm, maybe you shouldn't have filled the cask so high but i agree right. with you I, i've had that i've had the 20 year old 105 i've had the 40 year old 105 and both just really they sing the texture is there the classic style is there yeah. so this being a, a bit of a puff piece or no it doesn't take away from the fact that glenn farkless know how to, have known how to, and continue to make remarkably great whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. I think of another point that they were, they were bringing up in the sponsored piece was talking about this ability of distilleries to, to zig when the industry zags. Mm. And so there was this talk about Glenn Farkless were supplying blenders who were making products into brands that were selling globally. Mm -hmm. And Glenn Farkless thought maybe we should get some of that action, right? And hot on the heels of us covering Gordon McPhail saying, look, instead of jumping through hoops to keep renewing these new make contracts, they're getting harder as harder, harder and harder to secure mm -hmm. as brands are looking farther and farther afield to sell. We'll just focus on our own two distilleries. And when a distillery like Glenfarclas, or, and, and you and I were discussing this be, before we hit the record button, 
or someone like a Springbank, mm. right? Independent distilleries who understand how to la- last long in this game, right? Yeah. Who don't respond to the latest trends. I'm pausing myself here because I'm being careful with my language, and so I think it's, it's a good time to stop and have a chat about it. Okay. We've known this, right? The Glenfarclas don't dance to the vagaries of the market. Springbank don't dance to the vagaries of the market. However, they very successfully sell. And, and one could argue Glenfarclas have done a terrific job out in Asia. Mm-hmm. And, and Springbank, without naming any particular market, were reading these news stories. Right? I, I don't know if we covered one on Extra Extra last year, but, but you see the theft of Springbank that's headed to market. Yeah. I'm thinking of the story where the perfect square was cut out the canopy of the, of the truck that was carting other single malt scotches along with the Springbank, and the, and the Springbank was just perfectly square. We'll be having yeah. that. Thank you very much. And off we jolly well go. So... So is it safe to say they don't respond to the vagaries of the marketplace? We know that Springbank did increase their output. They have turned on the taps a little more. Now, they're not producing an insane amount that would Mm -hmm. be as much as as some other very well-known brands, but they've increased their output. Do you think, Joshua Hatton, as you and I sit here discussing it this day, Yeah. Do you think it's fair that we continually say Glenn Farkless and Springbank don't respond to the vagaries of the marketplace? I do. Yeah. Oh, no. I Listen, I, I most definitely do. And and I would just start at the base, the, the, the foundation. When I say start at the base or the foundation, I mean simply from the perspective of how they approach the market. When's the last time Glenn Farkless has done a package redesign? Their packaging looks the same as it did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, now, Springbank, on the other hand, have updated their packaging maybe within the past five years or so, but I would argue it got updated to an even more antiquated look. You know, it's, it's not, you know, compare that to say the more recent uh, Glenmorangie repackaging where they've like mm. took the Glenmorangie name and like separated it across four different levels. And like, does it look like a, a Scotch whiskey presentation? It, it doesn't, right? It's just doing something different. And they're trying to lead the market with what they're doing. And these guys are saying, nah, what we've been doing is just fine. And if if you start from that base of this is how we present ourselves, I mean, you can't really say same old recipe, new design. It's 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 same old recipe, pretty much the similar design. They they just continue to do <laughs> what they have been doing. And and you hear these stories. You know, uh, uh, Ranald uh, from Springbank and Mark Watt when he was with them back in the day. And, and what they said was, 
you know, Mr. Wright would continue to do what Springbank yeah. was doing regardless yeah. of yeah. what the yeah. market dictated because that's what they've done. And they remain incredibly successful doing that. It, it is interesting when you bring it down to two key patriarchs, right? If you, you've got John Grant, Eglin Farkless, you've got Headley Wright uh, representing the Mitchell family with Springbank and Associated Distilleries. Mm. Can you think of other examples where there's a, specifically within within Scottish distillation, yeah. can you think of other examples where there are strong patriarchs like that who say, look, our family before us stayed the course, we will stay the course, uh, we're not going to respond to these global demands we're not going to go into uh, a a new you know it's, it's interesting as much as Glen Farkless is quite large when you're on site mm. and they have what and again you're not going to do this <laughs> only from memory but <laughs> more still six stills happening at Glen Farkless I'm going to be less than Cyclone Parkless looking at stills. I say four. Uh, okay, right. anyway, continue. Yes, a right. number of stills between four and six, right. yes. Uh-huh. Right, right. And, and then and then you've got, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, washbacks that haven't really, you know, increased stainless steel at Glen Farkless, wood at, uh, at Springbank. Like, they, they haven't gone into this, we could build a much larger distillery. Next door, if you're Glen Farkless, maybe... Springbank are curtailed by the space yeah. of Campbelltown. You know, I feel like if Springbank wanted to find space in Campbelltown, they could find space in Campbelltown. But but there's this like there's this hesitance yeah. to to say, look, we're just going to double our facility and we're going to respond to these global demands. Can you think of another example that fits that? E- either either with a patriarch or or even uh, corporate. Yeah, it's it's tough, you know. I, I I can think of distilleries that have a a, a strong, like I, Kilhoman comes to mind, right? Where mm-hmm. he, Anthony may not be saying, "Look, we do what we do, and we're going to continue doing what we do. We don't care what you say." I I would argue to a point he's doing that, but he's doubled his still house. He's going yep. to double yep. the doubling of that. So so he's looking to meet demand. I would argue, however, they started off with tiny productions. They started off doing, you know, 20,000 liters of spirit per year in the first couple of years or whatever. And now they're going to get up to 1.2 million. I would argue what they're growing to mm-hmm. is the size of a properly small <laughs> distillery. Um and you know, so yeah, I, I don't. I mean, William Grant and Sons—that's still privately owned. That is a family-run business. Now, granted, <laughs> granted, it's it it takes uh, a, a, you know, on the face of it, it's it's quite different. So they're not. So you know, they're fiercely independent, but they're not doing what you're talking about. Uh, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And I, I think. I think that makes the point, and I think that shows some of the decisions that are being made by a Glenn Farkless and a Springbank, right? Yeah. You could be adding on, you could be 
making more to sell more and, and yet you're not. Um, on one hand, I'm asking myself the question on the fly, hmm. why do we value that? So I'll ask the question of you while I, I continue to think about it in my own head. Why do we value that, Joshua? <laughs> because it's a thing. Right, I, I, <laughs> it is a thing. There's no denying that. Like, there's there's something to be said about you know oof, these guys still do it the old way, right? It, it's right again. Back, yeah. I'll I'll go back to Kilhoman. It's why Kilhoman talk about you know their story is we're producing whiskey in a way that on Isla that really hasn't been done in 124 years right? We're a farm distillery. We're doing something the old way. And there's something so, so romantic about that. And so nice about that. They, that they can, that, that it proves that they were doing it so good back then. They don't need, there's no turd to be polishing here, right? They don't need to do anything else. There's, it doesn't detract from those that do make adjustments yeah. or from yeah. those that do redesign their liquid. And there's plenty of examples of, of things like that. It's just, that's their story and they're sticking to it. And it's kind of special. The last thing that I'll say about this is, and this one may be a bit of a stretch, but you know, back when Pappy Van Winkle was getting popular, and, and I, I would put that at around 2013 to 2015, somewhere around that range. Mm -hmm. You know, those were the days when you couldn't simply go to your store and grab the bottle you wanted and leave the other bottles for other people to get. You know, part of the reason that people were so attracted to the Pappy bottles was not because it was Pappy was because that liquid was sourced from Stitzel Weller, this distillery mm -hmm. that made a very specific style. And people are like, man, they used to do it this way. It's that old Stitzel juice. And boy, it's so good. And, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, and now granted, the Buffalo Trace liquid is delicious and it's great whiskey and so on and so forth. But when you talk about the Stitzel Weller juice, it's different, right? And that's why when you talk yeah. about... Yeah. Oh, these guys haven't changed anything. That's different. That's cool, right? So, yeah, there's that that callback to 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 things that are for the most part a yesteryear thing. But here's a modern example where they're still doing that yesteryear. <laughs> well, and it's it's that that's kind of the point I was I was kind of slowly bringing us to as our banner suggests, modern spirits business. When you're, when you're the Glen Farkless, you're the Spring Bank, there's a way in which you putting out your malt is king, absolute king. And while there is some Glen Farkless and differently named Glen Farkless sometimes appearing in, in, in independent bottlings, um, oh, oh, look, that's our independent bottling company right there above the Sometimes, gun Sometimes, yet rare as hen teeth. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, that's what's in Jason's glass right now. So so here we've, here we've got the, you know, the lead on from the Gordon McPhail piece, right? Is right now you, you cannot get liquid 
out of Springbank. You, you, you really cannot get liquid out of Glenfarclas. You've now got Gordon McPhail moving away from some new make contracts where they were with Glenn Grant, you know, and they, they put out some some excellent Glenn Grant and Glenn Talkers, and, and I think mm-hmm. they had some mm-hmm. Linkwood uh, in the in the original the distillery labels as well, right? We're we're back again to this this conversation of it's wonderful to be able to show off a distillery in a different package with a different philosophy from a different company, yeah, and yet. In these periods of boom, when some distilleries are increasing capacity, increasing production in making nothing available, mm-hmm. you've got old stalwarts like Lympharclis and Springbank not really increasing capacity and certainly not making things available. I have a frustration as both a consumer and an independent bottling company owner mm-hmm that there should still be allowance here. There should still be allotment that can go out the door to to other people, to show another side, to do something else. Yeah. And I wonder, we're obviously going to see it come back. We're seeing it going away at the moment. Mm Mm-hmm. We know this industry is cyclical. Uh, we know, again, to read a, a joke from earlier in the episode, that there are more peaks and troughs than a Toblerone. Is it unfair? <laughs> David Stark right now is waggling his finger uh, either at his <laughs> ham radio or his PC sitting on his uh, desk uh, in his office that we don't get to talk about unfair, right? Can I just for one second throw my toys out the pram and say, this is unfair. Like I yes. want to be able to buy yes. whiskey. Yes, it, it, it's horribly unfair. Is it unfair? Listen, <laughs> we, we established in 2011 and it was in 2010 that Springbank stopped selling to independents, right? That's not fair. They should have waited. D- didn't they we know? We have carried that with us for 12 years. But listen, yeah, I don't think you I lift that bottle one last time. Go ahead. Boop. This is where you can't cry unfair. Who else who else is doing uh, a Glenfarclas in in their own livery on on their label with the Glenfarclas logo, right? That that's true uh, you know, what do they call it? Spirit of collaboration, right? That that mm. really is something that was that was quite special and remains quite special. And who knows what the future holds? We'll we'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, listen from from an independent bottler standpoint, yes, it seems incredibly unfair. And I would argue that it felt unfair in the previous trough or peak or what have you right it to, 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 to those <laughs> existing for, us, for them <laughs> bottlers um and it, and it just it it be what it be uh but that's been the nature we just happen to be experiencing all of the seasons right we it's it's, it's really uh an 
for as bad it is as it is right now for independent bottlers ga- gaining access to single malt whiskey from Scotland, um, there was a time when there was so much available to us that it allowed us to create a retail range of bottlings, right? So yeah, exactly. Right. So I say temper, take take back some of your toys. Don't throw them all out. <laughs> just a couple here and there. <laughs> just just rip one head off one soft toy. That's all just I'm allowed. The one. Just the one. Um, but but to something that you and I were were talking about this morning, actually in our in our regular meeting, is we started this company ten years ago, and and that was you know two thousand eleven and. Yeah. Right, twelve, 12 years. years. Sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. I was thinking decade. Uh, twelve years. You're absolutely right. And and here we were in in 2011, lining up bottlings for 2012 and bringing them into the country. And then, and, th- and this is why I was using the numbers that I that I was. And then there we were, five years later, with access to enough casks that we were able to go about launching that retail line. Mm-hmm. But. And then, and then 2019, we launched global retail on top of that. And I would say for the last two, perhaps three years, that, that it feels like every passing week, it looks remarkably different. What's there, what's available. And it just, here's the part that I keep returning to. Okay. You're still throwing your toys out the, out the No, this is, this is me very slowly turning the head on a stuffed toy before I rip it off its shoulders. <laughs> okay, I just um, we, we present spirit of collaboration. And, and as a good independent bottler, and I say that because there are other good independent bottlers as well. Mm-hmm. As a good independent bottler, we put a distillery name front and center and we champion that distillery and we're proud to champion that distillery. I just feel that the spirit of collaboration gets called into question when one party then says, we're actually having such a good time and such a successful time that we don't actually have anything to sell you right now. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you really are. You're, 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 you're showing people your wounds here. What do they call that? I can't think of the word. Uh, yeah, listen. You're right. Again, what, we're living in a really interesting time where the where everybody's heard this. Every anybody who's this deep into whiskey, who's deep into the independently bottled. Whiskey mm-hmm. side of the business, they mm-hmm. all know the stories, right? They all know that when when the whiskey industry is booming and the brands were taking off, that those brands, those distilleries, pulled back from selling to the independent bottlers. They know mm-hmm. the stories that when the when the industry was was just falling out from under itself, that the distilleries said, "Wait a second, guys." We actually do have stuff for you, right? This is what Mark Watt <laughs> talked about for years, right? We're 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 yep. the best friend in times of bust, and and we're the the thorn in the side in times of boom. Yep. The difference now is hmm. that there is podcasting, 
and there is nonstop talking heads. People are living through it now. And so it just, we're, we're able to kvetch in real time is really what's happening. There's no difference. I wouldn't say there's no difference, right? I think some of the circumstances surrounding what has made liquid unavailable has changed a little bit. Like you had said, distilleries are really ramping up, you know, minus <laughs> Springbank and Glen Farkless, like we talked about. They're not really mm-hmm. ramping up so much, but but others are in hopes that that India opens up and hopes that parts of China open up. And if that doesn't happen, well, maybe it is the same, right? If that doesn't happen, then there's going to be this whiskey lock that's thrown upon us. But the the difference being, though, with that potential whiskey lock and the one that, that we talk about, you know, in the 80s, is the demand for whiskey remains. Mm-hmm. And that's what was lost uh, in the 80s. The demand was away. People were going to vodka and gin uh, or, or, or different distilled spirits, period. The demand remains. Um, and that is in part because Scotch whiskey has helped the growth of bourbon, has helped the growth of, of, uh, of world single malts. Add to that. The, the number of markets that have opened since the resurgence yeah. of whiskey starting in, you know, the, the, the early aughts of, 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 you know, this millennium. So, so there are some differences, but not many, I guess. Did I yeah, make a point? I think I made a point. I think you did. I think you okay, did. Good. For me, it, I'm kind of distilling it. Right. Down to a down to a kind of a, a central point here, and a, and I think this is where I hopefully find the listeners of a of a whiskey podcast in, in this instance extra extra, as was a whiskey pad cost that is obviously one nation under whiskey, which is there are so many times when hmm. I realize that I am a whiskey lover first. And a whiskey businessman second. Yes. And I and I think sometimes I feel the need to throw my toys out the pram because the response to whatever's happening in the modern spirits business is it's just a business. It's just mm-hmm. business. It's mm-hmm. just how business works. Mm-hmm. And I think of the consumers who love whiskey and love distilleries and love independent bottlers. Yeah. And I don't think they think of it as a business. I think they think of it as a passion, right? And, and wouldn't it be incredible to see Lafroy coming from six different places, right? Five independent bottlers and, and a distillery, right? Like that's, mm. that to me speaks to the attraction and the value of the passion that we all share. Mm. And so when we as independent bottlers come at it with passion and are passionate about the distilleries that we represent and we want to show them off to the very best of their abilities, yeah, 
and then find out that, hey, for the last decade, tickety-boo, things are changing. Don't say never, but who knows what the future holds, right? Thinking about, you know, a Gordon McPhail, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. other stories from other independent bottlers that we're friendly with, right? Like, like you hear this all the time. Like, ah, it's not going to work for this year. Let's try again next year. It's not going to work for the next three years. Let's try again in, at the end of that, right? Yeah. Is independent bottling a business? <laughs> I think there's a spectrum. You know, and everyone's I, on it. <laughs> I think one one of the yes, everyone's on it, right? I mean, I think I think on one end of the spectrum because it, it is fairly easy to get into independent bottling if if you wanted to. I mean, technically speaking, you don't you don't need to hold too many licenses or anything like that. You can rely on third-party bottling halls. You can rely on uh, the the warehouse, the warehouse's own licenses, and and so on. It's a matter of having the money for a cask and having customers who will pay for it. And and hopefully you've lined up your 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 distribution channel in a way that's that's legal and you can make shit happen, right? And there's plenty of people who are there where they're they're doing it as a hobby. Um, mm-hmm. Very and, much so. And yet they're calling themselves independent bottlers. Those are the, the those are the terms that they use because the system that they're talking about is independent bottling. Whether they are independent bottlers is another thing. What they're yeah. doing is bottling independently. The other end of the spectrum is your Caddenheads, is your Gordon McPhails, is your Adelphi's, right? Is your single malts of Scotland, where where these are brand signatory, right? They're big brands that have significant amount of stock, so much so that they are able to weather the peaks and troughs of your Toblerone candy. And therefore, yes, it 100% is a business. Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. There's another one, 40 years now, 1983, right? This, so these, these are businesses, right? And then in between, you've got, you've got a plethora. <laughs> um, and we are somewhere in that plethora. We're definitely not hobbyists, but we're definitely not your your Gordon McPhails of the world. We're we, and I don't know if we're Goldilocks either, but we're we're somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, we're we're definitely not Gordon McPhail with a little uh, cheeky little fifteen thousand pound poor Ellen up our sleeves. That's why I keep oh, wearing right. short sleeves. Right I, I got nothing up here. Yep, I got nothing up these <laughs> sleeves. Um, yeah, I, and that's you know I I really you know when I do have a little strop when I do throw my toys out of the pram I do stop to ask myself why are you throwing your toys out your pram and and sometimes I feel like it's because I get my heart broken right I love too much Joshua I love too easily uh, I fall in love too fast yeah listen me and Chet Baker it <laughs> I. I think it's part of the reason that distilleries chose so many distilleries have chosen to work with us directly. It's because they, you know, it goes beyond us being whiskey lovers and it's in the realm of us saying, we want to champion you. 
this is coming from a place of, of, of passion, right? And so you can understand why in these more difficult times, it's going to feel incredibly personal because at the end of the day, and I, I talk about this quite often in, in tastings, because right, whiskey is so romantic and it's like, oh, the magic. And right, as soon as right, you mention right. spreadsheets or as soon as yeah. you mention, hey, at the end of the day, this is a manufacturing facility that makes an end product that is really keen on establishing vertical integration to cut down costs. And like you're like, wait a second, we're not talking about building <laughs> – you know, cabinetry <laughs> or, or industrial storage products. No, you're talking about a product made at an industrial facility where people have to wear safety equipment. Like it is, <laughs> it's, it's a thing. Um, what makes it magical is the importance that we put on it is what makes it magical is the, uh, are the memories that just the smell of 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 a spring bank or a Lagavulin or Kilhoman can evoke and, and you're transported, right? Speaking of which, really quickly, I couldn't find my bottle of of SCN Glen Farkless. So what I've done, and, and I think about this every every August or so. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I got this 105 and I bought this uh after your dad had passed. And I think about this every every year around this time of year. Cheers. And with Glenn Farkless uh, sort of being the foundation of this conversation, I thought, and given the time of year, I thought, why not give this a pour? So to you, Cheers. to your dad. Oh, thanks ever so much. Yeah, there's to there's to my dad. January uh, in January, July thirty one. July thirty one. That's right. Sixth anniversary of his passing and i think it's actually the day the day we recorded the gordon mcphail piece that's true that's that's exactly what it was and i always i always associate it with early early august and maybe that's just because it was very end of july so right right yeah yeah the dates i was missing his funeral was early august as well so Uh, maybe that's and i was in scotland and you were covering a lot of things for me in early august so there you go that i'll check (sighs) all right well here listen It, it just feels better to say some of the quiet things out loud and i know that we have listeners who nod along as we say the quiet parts out loud. So yeah. I really appreciate having ears on what we say, what we think, what we do, what we believe in, what we value and what we champion. So as much as you're toasting to my dad, I'm toasting along with you, Joshua, to our listeners, our supporters, our nation, uh, even that nation globally. Because uh, we have single-cast nation people in, in myriad countries. So cheers to all of them. Cheers indeed. Mm. Even down there. You even have members even down, down there. there. If, if you see a breaking news story in the dog days of summer, uh, you can drop us a note, info at singlecastnation.com or questions at One Nation Under Whiskey. Uh, I will say, I've, again, quiet part out loud, I've temporarily lost access to questions at One Nation Under Whiskey. So if you send it to info at singlecastnation.com. I will definitely get my eyes on it. And I promise you, um, I will even save it as a PDF uh, and then put it in the folder on my desktop uh, for for later sharing. 
I can't believe you found me out. I finally successfully blocked you from questions <laughs> of Asian under whiskey. <laughs> Kudos, my friend. You've pulled it off, but I still have a have a direct contact to our listeners. So info at singlecastnation.com if you if you want Jason's eyes on anything. Um, other than that, Joshua, thank you for your time today. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks to uh, the Spirits Business for having a sponsored piece on Glenfarclas that provided the jumping off point for us. And uh, my storm has passed, as you can see, uh, literally and figuratively, it is much brighter now. Things are looking awfully good. Joshua has closing words. Well, I, I guess my question to you is when you present a bottle to someone, what, what do we normally tell them? Because safety first, right? Hashtag, please drink the whole bottle responsibly. Hey! hey. And we also say smash that subscribe button responsibly as well and joshua what do the young people say the young people say tickle that bell i think oh that's Lord. what they say <laughs> if i and don't even do, say this, that this is the, the, the you say tickle that bell do you start at the base of the bell and uh and work your way from there whatever makes it ding however you can get there yeah apparently so for those of you that are more familiar with YouTube than we are. Well, I'm not very familiar with it. Or maybe you're not familiar and this is good information for you. Subscribing to us is one thing. Firstly, please do it. If you've already done it, thank you so much. If you haven't done it, thank you in advance for doing it. We really appreciate it. Secondly, there's a little bell next to the videos or next to our name or whatever. And if you click that bell, if you tickle that bell, as, as they say, you will get notifications when there's a new episode coming or sometime Jason and I have talked about doing some live YouTube things here and there. We, we've yet to do it, but we've talked about it a whole hell of a lot. Um, so subscribe, tickle that bell. And uh, that's going to be a name of a new song, by the way, tickle that bell. And and you'll get notified of, of the content that you've then subscribed to. So So thank you in advance for doing that. And until next time, peace.